Welcome back to Mastering Retail, live from the Cannes Lion International Festival of Creativity, which brings the creative communications industry together for a week each year to celebrate, learn, and network. And we're here to learn about innovations in the digital advertising industry. This is another episode of our Cannes Sessions, four special episodes featuring leaders in e-commerce and advertising who are here to share their knowledge and insights recorded live from Cannes, France. I am your host, Emma Irwin, and I'm a senior editor and specialist at Flywheel Digital. In this episode, we're talking with Bork and Haleon about marketing effectiveness. So let's meet our guests. My name's Alex Brownsell. I'm the, the head of content for Walk Media. So at Walk, I head up our Walk Media product, which is, as the name kind of insinuates, fairly media focused. We, we write a bunch of reports. Uh, we release a lot of data forecasts. And I also generally could contribute to all of our major projects where it overlaps into the media zone. I'm Simon Peel. I'm the global head of media at Halion, which, for those that don't know, was kind of GSK. So it's all of its consumer brands from, from GSK. They moved into this new company called Halion, and I look after the media. Perfect. What did you do before that? I worked at Adidas about seven or eight years as their global head of media. And then before that, I worked at 20th Century Fox, working on theatrical releases for their media. <laughs> no. Before that, I was a media, well, a few media agencies. Very cool. Okay, a question we've been asking everyone that we've interviewed here at Can so far is just, what have you been looking out for at Can? Now that we're kind of toward the end of it, it's not as great of a question, but what were you looking out for? Apart from celebrities. <laughs> now, uh, d- yes. and, and, and given the word that we've repeated quite a lot just now, uh, the media topics have been super interesting for me. I know it's it's a festival of creativity and, you know, the creative output, but um, there's so much interesting media innovation and tech stuff that I've been really looking into. Great. What about you, Simon? I really enjoyed reading the awards, actually. So I, I went down there today and I spent a couple of hours down there. And I did the same on Tuesday as well. So this is where all the award submissions are, are based, in the basement of this building. And um, yeah, some of the work is just incredible. Um, so that that was really fun. The other bit was like, you know, getting a bit pissed with people and <laughs> finding out sort of <laughs> gossip that's going on in the industry. So that was quite fun as well. Do you have a favourite submission that you saw? Yeah, the one that I saw was by Skinny. So they're a New Zealand radio station and they basically put up these billboards all around New well I think it was all around New Zealand and they got um, one of the billboards they had written a script and then they encouraged people to record themselves reading the script which is about you know why the radio station's so fantastic and then they played those as ads promoting the radio station so people got to be in their own adverts it was I thought it was really good no it's a really nice idea I have actually heard of that one as well um I was chatting to Ellie Bamford from Wonderman Thompson she was really raving about it so it's a good one I think yeah I really liked it perfect all right we can get into actual content for the episode and so overall I think we're going to go through kind of the basics of marketing effectiveness which is something that Bork talks a lot about. And then that's a term that we just really haven't used on Mastering Meatail. So we'll go into the basics of what we really mean by that. Then we'll talk a little bit about brand versus performance marketing, another thing that has rarely come up on Mastering Meatail in specific. And then talking about kind of an increasingly digital world and how marketing has changed for brands and how they need to adapt. But first up, Alex, you get to be put on the spot for all of these first, <laughs> but I, I believe in you. <laughs> So I think every brand or business kind of strives for marketing effectiveness. And as I already mentioned, 
such a pillar for what work covers and research is. But can you help just kind of explain more about what that term means for maybe someone who isn't quite as familiar or really only hears like advertising effectiveness? Okay, gosh. Yeah, I mean, it's obviously there's a lot that we could cover, but I'll try and sort of, uh, I'll try and kind of give an overview. I think that one of the interesting things, it's not a particularly catchy word, is it? It's not a particularly sexy word, but I think what it boils down to is a vast, vast amount of money is spent by brands and advertisers on not just advertising, marketing more broadly. And people want to know that that money is working and it's actually delivering the intended results. And it's something that Walk has been following for nearly as long as I've been alive. But it feels like over the last few years, I think there's as, as more and more money is spent on, particularly in the digital world, there's been this desire to go from having a bit of a punt and, and trusting your instincts and trusting precedent to actually knowing that something is going to work. So at Walk, we talk about um, the three E's, evidence, examples, and or expertise. But, but the evidence and the examples are the two that we really try and draw from to sort of get that effectiveness learning. And just a really quick thing I want to add is we're talking about effectiveness, not efficiency. Particularly in certain regions of the world, those two can be quite conflated. They mean different things. You know, what we're talking about is better. Better is not always cheaper. So we always want to make a distinction there. That was a good distinction because I would have not broken those two words apart in my head. No, I, and people don't. And and I think that's an education job that we try and do as, as walk. You know, we try and help people to understand that efficiency, obviously, nobody wants to spend more than they absolutely have to, of course. But yeah, lowering the cost doesn't always make things, you know, more effective. It doesn't always give you a better ROI. Perfect. Thank you, Simon. So Alex just talked about brands wanting their marketing to be effective. Can you tell me a little bit about how Haleon thinks of that? Because you work for a brand slash advertiser. I do indeed. Yeah, um, we actually ripped off Walk's definition of marketing effectiveness. I think um, I'm going to misquote it, so sorry, Alex, but it's something like the process of marketing activities that deliver an outcome or a measurable result, something like that. I should have used that. Really. Should have, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so we've focused quite a lot on this efficiency versus effectiveness because it is quite confusing. And I think people do focus too much on the cost and driving down price. So something that we look at is a quote by Peter Drucker, who was quite a famous business consultant for uh, many years ago. And he talked about efficiency is doing things right and effectiveness is doing the right thing. So we, we use that quite a lot and it, it helps sort of frame it. But essentially what we're looking for is that the marketing investments that we make, whether it's in media, advertising or more expansive than that, are driving an outcome, ideally in both the short and the long term. But we need to know what the, you know, what we're trying to achieve first. So, yeah, the general definition is a ripoff of walks. <laughs> but yeah, philosophically, that's what we're trying to do. And because you've worked for multiple brands, would you say that that's kind of been the philosophy throughout your whole career, or that's very specific to Haleon? No, probably all, all the way through my career. I mean, when I was a, a media agency, that was kind of a taught thing, you know, like actually you're trying to benefit your client and you're trying to get the right outcome for them. And then when I went client side, it was the same as well. But I do think that there, there has been this confusion within the industry, like marketing industry as a whole, between efficiency and particularly on ROI, it's a real issue and effectiveness because those two get misconstrued and people chase an ROI 
and typically better ROI comes from lower costs and you're going to get less revenue overall, which sounds a bit mind-bending, but it's true. Amazing. (laughs) Okay, so next up, I want to talk about kind of brand versus performance marketing. And one shout out to our CEO, Duncan Painter, who did mention this on stage at Cannes. But that's something that's been brought up a couple a couple times on Mastering Tell, but I haven't really forced anyone to break that down and explain it to me. So Alex, I'd love for you to kind of help walk me through what we mean by those two different terms. I'll do my best. And I think the reason I say I'll do my best is because actually I think different people have different perceptions of what we're talking about here. But fundamentally, advertising, brand building, media are those campaigns and those channel and, and platform and format choices that will deliver a positive return against brand metrics. So that's things like awareness, consideration, you know, favorability, all of that kind of stuff that might not necessarily deliver an immediate result, but will contribute towards positive results at some point in the short, medium, or even the long term. Performance media is, in ultra simplified terms, is where you are trying to affect that point of conversion much lower down the purchase funnel such as the purchase funnel exists you know hitting consumers at a really vital moment near the point of purchase to sort of get them over the line it has been widely debated by the industry what these these mean the sort of seminal text uh, that was published i think over 10 years ago now was by two sort of marketing effectiveness experts called les Burnett and peter fields they published a book called the the long and short of it for the ipa in the UK, which argued based on evidence from awards entries that the most successful brands are those that allocated 40% of their investments to inverted commas brand building uh, media and 40% to performance. So the majority. 60 40. 60 40. Thank you, Simon. And look, th- that was a different time. That was a time much earlier in, in the social network development, uh, social media development, and we've had so many other different channels kind of arrive. But that general thinking we think still holds true. However, the caveat in all of this is that what were probably traditionally sort of described as performance channels, digital ones, social media, are increasingly being shown that they also have a long-term brand building impact as well. So the boundaries blurring and it's becoming more complicated. Beautiful. And then Simon, from the Haleon perspective, how are you kind of thinking about that? Like, can you give me an example, maybe, of brand versus performance marketing? I don't know if it exists so much in Haleon because performance advertising typically is done by more direct-to-consumer brands and advertisers. So, you know, they believe that by targeting someone with an ad at a very timely moment, they're going to drive a conversion on their website. So it does tend to, like performance at least, does tend to lean more towards direct-to-consumer brands. But we do like we do still use a model like that. So we use the long and short of it. We look at allocating a disproportionate amount of money into brand building. So things that are going to have an effect over the long term, but also impact people now to encourage them to buy. So then tend to use more of an activation approach, which is much more targeted uses media channels that we think are really relevant at that particular time to encourage a sale. So we try and build the brand over the long term and convert the sale as soon as possible, really. Can you give us, this is off the top of your head, but can you give a really specific example of that? Um, (laughs) 
it's hard because we've just uh, we've just kind of introduced it at Halion, so it's um, we're pushing it at the moment. Yeah, I mean, there's certainly um, instances. We've got um, a product that you know you may not have heard of called Volt or Volterol. Volt. It's, it's called different things in different markets, and they have essentially taken this approach where they've looked to overinvest in brand builder. And overinvest sounds like it's the wrong thing. I just mean disproportionately when you're trying to balance it. So we'd overinvest in the brand, and that's got a different type of creative narrative. It's much more about emotion. It's not really focused on the sale so much or not trying to um, focus on the price of the product, as an example. And then at the same time, we run more price-led or promotional-led activity as well. The wheels in my head are spinning, but I'm trying to think of like we've talked performance and brand kind of long and short of it. And then going back to mixing up kind of effectiveness with efficiency is one of those E words more correlated with like the brand performance side of things. Yeah, I, I see what you're saying. And theoretically, yes, although I think, yeah, the 60 40 rule, uh, as I've correctly said this time shows that the performance, the activation stuff is also really vitally important for effectiveness. It's not that brand, you just, if you only did brand building, I mean, depending on the brand and the category and all the rest of it, but most brands need to use a combination of those two different things to achieve all of their goals. So people would more readily associate performance and efficiency. I don't think that's necessarily fair. That makes sense. I agree as well. I think, um, it's easy to say that, isn't it? It's like it's an easy go-to, but to your point, like the the activation's also having an effect on the brand. Yeah, there's a, I mean, this is it. Yeah, I think I alluded to some research, and there are that apart from paid search, which is pretty pure performance in terms of short-term impact. Every single media channel will have a combination of short-term ROI and long-term ROI. We've never really measured the long-term ROI on certain digital channels, at least not until recently. We're starting to now and we're starting to understand that that it's not just about the sales conversion. There's, there's other stuff that's driving offline sales from that kind of retargeting and, and stuff like that. To be fair, you couldn't really measure long-term ROI um, <laughs> on digital or performance channels because of the way that attribution models work. So Les Burnett was talking about it this week, um, you know, how attribution models kind of disproportionately allocate credit to the channel that it's on. And all of these channels have different windows that they look at the advertising for. So for instance, an attribution model on Google might only be for 30 days. Facebook, it might be seven days. And then they're misattributing, well, not misattributing, they're attributing credit based on that. So there was never really an R, like a long-term ROI unless you use something called econometrics, which looks much more expansively across the marketing mix and looks at both the short and the long-term. How do you measure econometrics if econometrics. it's looking, looking that far? Yeah, so econometrics is a measurement technique that takes typically, I think, about 100 to 200 variables and it's looking at stuff like sales, well, it's actually measuring sales, and it's looking at the impact that the weather might have had, that inflation might be having, that unemployment rates might be having. And then it layers on top of that marketing investment. So if you're running a PR campaign, it will build that in. If you're running a TV campaign, it will build that in. And then what it does is it looks at the correlation between your marketing investment and sales. And then once it does that, it can predict pretty accurately 
what marketing channel is having an effect on a sale. And you can look at that both in the short term and importantly, in the long term. Thank you both for all of that. I'm just learning so many new things. This is great. And we're getting our picture taken, as I can see. <laughs> but <laughs> Okay, let's kind of go a little bit more meta with things. And so we're living, I think we all know, in this like much more increasingly digital world, which has really challenged marketers to adapt to new innovations. And we are currently at the International Festival of Creativity, which inspires even more innovation each year, especially around this time of the year. It's a quickly changing environment. Alex, has marketing effectiveness become more important for brands over time? And if yes, why? So I'm going to answer yes and no. Um, and that's, this is a slightly personal view, but obviously, I think from a walk perspective, what we've seen is that over the, the years, there has been a growing acceptance and acknowledgement that effectiveness matters, that some of the tools and some of the approaches that we've advocated are, they're kind of growing in acceptance and popularity, not just with, I guess, strategy and econometric nerds, but also actually at the senior echelons uh, within businesses. The very fact that Can Lion, we have been co-creating Walk, that is, has been co-creating a whole program on, which we call Creative Impact, I think shows that this is gaining currency. So that's my yes. My no is that I think for a lot of marketers, there's still a lot of pressure to deliver short-term results. So even though the head and the heart may say, yes, that this is what we should be doing, sometimes, especially, you know, economic headwinds that we've seen over the last kind of six to 12 months in different parts of the world. Some of these principles and practices go out the window when actually, you know, actually we need to sell some stuff now. And we're not judging, but you know, we're not, we're not sort of too dogmatic about this. We understand businesses need to be flexible. I do think that we're on a journey to, to the kind of principles that we advocate at Walk becoming much more ingrained and what really helps with that is taking out theory and moving into practice with people like Simon, bringing forward genuine, tangible examples of how this works at a business level, not just in, in research, in theory. So that's, I think, hopefully where we can really keep furthering this. And how is Halion thinking about this? Halion is like really focused on marketing effectiveness. The, the C-suite really believes that we've got a tremendous CMO, Tamara Rogers, who's pushing this agenda so it's a, it's a big thing within the company because we're now a publicly listed company that's separate from GSK. We have fiduciary responsibilities to shareholders, like to drive a profit. And the best way of us doing that over a sustainable period of time is marketing effectiveness. I mean, you can cut your budgets and you can get profit now, but if you keep on doing that, like in two years, three years time, you're not going to have a brand that anyone knows or you know, particularly memorable, and therefore they're not unlikely to buy your product. So you need to have that sustainable approach, which is thinking like, how do you get the sales now in the next quarter? And how do you build something called mental availability, which is like memory for the future as well, so that people, when they are buying or thinking about buying a product, your brand springs to mind. When you're thinking about marketing effectiveness, like in the longer term, how long do you hold out on something before you kind of decide that is a great question i'm thinking I know, about i've never that. asked that question <laughs> and i know that's incredibly difficult to answer but there's a really good anecdote but i think it's is it jerry bulmer time for a quick fact check it is not 
let's try that again. So there's um there's a really good anecdote about this from a guy called Jeremy Bullmore, who, by the way, I've just uh, I said the wrong name initially. We're re- re-recording this. <laughs> so a uh, great anecdote by a guy called Jeremy Bullmore, who worked um, at the agency group WPP for a long time, like a bit of a legend in the advertising circles. And he tells a story, and again, I'm probably going to mess it up, but essentially he goes for lunch with a friend of his who's just sold his agency. So they're, you know, they're having a lavish lunch, getting very merry. Um, and at the end of the lunch, his friend uh, is like, oh, you know, I'll, I'll drive you back to the office. But the office is literally like a couple of hundred meters away. So Jeremy's like, well, that's ridiculous. Why would I do that? And his friend was like, very insistent. No, come on, I'm going to drive you back. So they walk outside and there's an Aston Martin. And he's like, well, I've just bought this Aston Martin. And he was showing off to Jeremy. He's like, the reason I bought this is because of an ad I saw. And Jeremy's like, oh, what ad was that? Was that recent? And his friend says, no, it was when I was a child. And the the point is, you know, these memories last. I mean, it's that's a very luxurious product, but with all branding, it's important to think over the long term as well as the short term. And yeah, I think that the, that future word, that we, particularly in the context of digital marketplaces and, and e-commerce, the word that we started using at Walk a lot is future demand and using future demand actually instead of brand building sometimes because brand building can feel quite philosophical and a bit intangible but that idea that you're not just selling to the person you're selling to today you're selling to the person that's looking at that ad as a child and it's always in the back of their head that one day if they can they're going to buy it all right I think we can wrap things up so you both have one more question that you have to answer Actually, I'm going to make you go first, Simon. Just what is the coolest thing you have seen at Cannes so far? Can be business or not. So the the coolest thing I have seen is the sushi plate on Spotify's beach. It's you like, have you got access to Spotify's beach. I got the access to the gig to Foo Fighters, but I couldn't get in. There were a load of us that had tickets and we couldn't get in. It was so devastating. So I was one of those people like standing on the plants on the side. Yeah, I too. didn't have tickets though. <laughs> I think it's probably better out there, but um, yeah, Foo Fighters and sushi. Incredible. Alex, what about you? The Foo Fighters at Spotify Beach, I did manage to get in. <laughs> I did. I did. I was very, very lucky. You got in too? What is this? I know. But uh, that, that, yeah, on a personal fun note, that from a walk perspective, we did, yeah, with the IP, we had an amazing session on the third age of effectiveness with Grace Kite and Les Burnett and Tom Roach, and it was it was brilliant. So yeah, really good one. I would I would say as well that was a great presentation. You guys went out for dinner afterwards, and you was a group walk, and everybody did. That I wasn't invited to that particular dinner, but um, <laughs> <laughs> you went to Foo Fighters. <laughs> it's true. I can't <laughs> complain. And that wraps up our last episode of our Can Sessions. Thank you to Alex Brownsville of Work and Simon Peel of Haleon for the time and informative discussion. And be sure to go back and listen to the rest of our Can Sessions. Stay tuned for what's next for Mastering Retail, and we'll see you next time.